it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to episode number 21 of the Circles Off podcast. I'm Rob Pozzola, joined by Johnny from Betstamp, and this week we welcome in a very special guest. I would call him a personal friend of mine, professional sports better, the host of Be Better Betters, the founder of BetBash, probably one of the most polarizing individuals in the betting community, and a man who my betting partner once called the bane of his existence, Spanky. Welcome to the podcast, Spanky. It's nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. What an intro. Oh, my God. Only professional only professional stuff here, Spanky. I know you might not be used to that on your own specific podcast, but <laughs> on Circles Off, this is the way we do it. That's Rob, good. Gave me, Rob gave me one week doing the intro myself, and then we had, to have, uh, we had to have an internal Circles Off meeting, and I'm relegated now. So no more intros for me, guys. It's going to be Rob moving forward, but we're happy to have Spanky here. Um, welcome to the show. And um, in the past, we've asked kind of like, you know, who are a lot of the guests? You know, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? Things like that. But um, for anyone who doesn't know Spanky, he's he has his own podcast. He's done a ton of interviews before that kind of go over maybe day-to-day upbringing and things like that. So the first question we wanted to ask him and the first thing, Spanky, that we want to get is some juicy info about, you know, your betting operation. Um, you know, what's it like? Uh, and, and, and how does it work and maybe share some stuff that, you know, you haven't shared on other podcasts before. Uh, okay. So, you know, I, I, you guys have touched upon this a lot of times. I take a top down approach to sports betting where I'm trying to anticipate line movements. Um, so to be able to anticipate line movements there's several ways to do it. Um, a lot of times it's just seeing where the market's moving and try to hit some slow moving books. Other times it's anticipating um, injury information being uh, revealed. Um, other times it could be, um, you know, just knowing what a, a, a coach's tendencies are on who he's going to sit and who he's not going to sit. Um, and then it just goes on from there. It's, it's all about, you know, beating the closing line. Um, we don't really do any mathematical modeling. Um, we have done a little bit in the past. We won a little bit, but then we lost uh, more than we won. So we thought that that wasn't, you know, the right avenue to take. And I've been pretty successful. We've been doing it over 20 years now. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's been really good to us. It, it, it's, it's, we feel as if this is, um, you know, a, a winning formula and, and we're very happy with where we're at in, in the industry. We often talk about on this podcast, the difference between an originator and the, the top-down approach. And uh, some people get bucketed into the, the steam chasers. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't call you specifically a, a steam chaser, Spanky. I know there's more to the operation than that. But um, you know your choice of words off the top there is something that's interesting to me because you use the word anticipated. And I think a lot of people who would who maybe don't know what you do or maybe do know what you do would critique you and say, well, how much of this is anticipating line movements versus reacting uh, to line movements, you know, seeing something somewhere and then beating others to that price. You know, is, is that a fair criticism? And if not like kind of how to, I guess more of a detailed breakdown of how the operation specifically works. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, good point. Anticipating or, or, uh, or, you know, steam chasing, you know, I like to call it momentum trading. It sounds a lot more sophisticated, (laughs) but um, you know, you know, it's all about, you know, like, uh, so for example, um, you know, if, if we'll get to the, the, the steam chasing type thing, if I see, if we have indicators and a lot of the stuff is not just visual, a lot of programs were written. Um, I have a computer science background, so I wrote a lot of these programs that is able to pretty much analyze if bookmaker A, B and Y move, then this is an indicator going forward on where the rest of the market will go. However, if only A and B move, for instance, that might not be a good indicator and these algorithms rhythms are always changing and it's kind of like an AI in the background that's happening in real time where, you know, it's not just, Hey, listen, I see this guy move. I look at pinnacle moving and here we go. I'm just going to follow and, and bet. Um, this is, this method might've worked in 2003, 2004, in 2021. If you just look at a pinnacle or a Chris move, um, you're, you're going to wind up broke. So um, it, it's, it's a lot more sophisticated than that when it comes to look, watching lines move. Um, when it comes to injuries, uh, we feel as if we're second to none in the injury uh, business. Um, you know, we we kind of, uh, I have my hand on the pulse um, and, you know, my ear to the street. We, you know, we have connections all over on, um, and, and we have a lot of different algorithms that are scouting Twitter and blogs, and we have guys calling us up and, you know, it, it's a network that we've developed over the last 20 plus years to be able to, you know, get ahead of the market. You know, the, the beautiful thing about this is it's an unregulated market. So unlike, you know, if you're in equities trading where you have somebody where somebody, you know, or somebody in the company telling you, oh, yeah, you know, we think we're going to merge with this company. That's, you know, against SEC violations, you go to jail. Whereas, you know, if I have a guy that's, you know, that that might be, uh, you know, a, a ticket attendant at an arena that is able to look at shoot arounds and that is, you know, is able to see if somebody's, you know, not really shooting around much and, you know, he was expected to play and then he gives us a call on that. That's, uh, you know, that, that that's the type of stuff and information that, that we rely on. And, um, you know, it's all kosher and given that there's no regulation, um, you know, we feel as if uh, it's all fair game. Well, for sure. I don't. I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, um, I, I guess being first to information is is part of what makes a a, a great sports better, a great sports better. And I don't think anyone would deny that. Uh, I'm curious, Spanky, about if there's any origination within your group, like do, do you, whether that's moving for other originators specifically, or whether that's having someone on the payroll um, that specifically models games and and you get down for them. Great question. So. You know, I learned a long time ago that, you know, the best sports veteran that, you know, that ever lived, I guess you would probably all agree is probably Billy Walters. Mm -hmm. Um, And what Billy Walters used to do was, you know, he would have several handicappers um, give them, give him his number, their numbers. And then he would look and to see where there was a consensus. Um, And that those are the numbers that he would be able to pound on. So if, you know, let's just say he has handicappers A through F, if A and C like, you know, team, uh, team X, um, then he would go, you know, if there's a, if there's a, a meeting of the mind, so to speak, without them meeting, if there was a consensus, that's when he would pound. So I always thought that was a great winning formula. And that's the thing we took, you know, we're not going to try to um, do something that's beyond the scope of our, our thing for us to build the model. Instead, we have several major, major syndicates in the world that give us their numbers, give us their plays, and then I'm become their betting partner. So I kind of essentially 
essentially have my hand, um, uh, uh, you know, in their in their operation, and they kind of I work hand in hand with a lot of the best. And there are times in which if there was ever like somebody that if there was ever a disagreement between two parties, then that's a game I probably would not really, uh, you know, go heavy on. But if there was ever an agreement or a consensus among several different handicappers that we get numbers from, then by all means, those are the ones that will definitely, um, you know, be able to pound away. And it's essentially the Billy Walters model. Billy Walters himself was never a, a, a handicapper or an originator. Uh, he surrounded himself with handicappers. And that's how he became successful. And I thought, you know what, why don't I, uh, why, why shouldn't I kind of uh, take that playbook of, of the world's best and kind of uh, apply it, um, you know, into the 21st century and, 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 and do that. And that doesn't happen overnight. You know, you have to build a reputation, build a name, you know, if the world's best don't just come to you and say, Hey, you know what I mean? Who the hell are you? You know what I mean? I have to build my name and reputation. And I think I've gotten to that level where I am piped in uh, to some uh, of, of the major, major uh, influencers in the sports betting ecosystem. Got it. You, I mean, listen, a lot of people, and I'll, I'll talk more to the social media space, you know, they say, yeah, Spanky, he's a steam chaser. You know, he sits in front of a screen all day. He doesn't even take a bathroom break. He's sitting in front of the screen all day and he's, and he's actually just looking at his Don best and then he's going ahead and betting. So I, I know that's wrong for a few reasons. Cause a, I know you don't use Don best and you've got, you know, your own tech, which I'll let you talk about. But B, what I wanted to ask you was what percentage of your bets are straight screen reads off of your screen? And then what percentage is the, the rest of the operation, whether it be originator fills, syndicate fills, um, you know, maybe different other relationships you might have built in the space? It's hard to determine a percentage, um, you know, but, I, you know, it, it's, it's just a conglomerate, you know what I mean? We want to try to be the jack of all. So, um, you know, there, it, it all depends on the sport also. Um, you know, is so, and it all depends on the time of the week, like for football, uh, you know, a lot of things that we do earlier in the week, um, might be different than what we do later in the week, um, depending on when the practices are, um, you know, it, it's, you know, if, if, if anybody could do what I did and I'm not trying to, you know, toot my own horn here and, and say, you know, that, uh, you know, look at me, but if anybody could do what I did, I, I wouldn't have, have been remained as successful as I have. And, 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 you know, been on top of the business for as long as I have. Um, it's a lot of hard work. You know, there are times, you know, where, you know, I'm not going to say mention schools or whatever, but we would call coaches up and we would pose athletic departments. We would pose as school newspapers and, and ask, you know, and we've actually had direct coaches on or, or the, the department, how did practice go today? You know, we're writing an article. And they, they don't know any better. They just want to get the, you know, the scrummy kid off the pimple you know, face kid off the phone. So just tell them, yeah, practice went good. And, you know, we'd ask about a certain player that we feel is questionable or that has a major component. How did Johnson do? Um, sometimes we would call the school newspaper, polls as an alumni and, 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 and ask them, you know, hey, listen, uh, we're going to the game this weekend. Um, how did Johnson look? And if they, you know, the, the athletic department of the school newspaper are monitoring these practices. And this is, you know, way before Twitter and it's still to this day a lot of these beat writers a lot of these guys get this information before it's publicly known so we there, there's nothing beyond what i would do to get information because i know that's my edge um what i lack in mathematical
tackle and handicapping ability, I always am going to try to make up for information gathering. And I believe that, you know, I recognize that this is how I can get ahead. And I've taken in my, I think I've taken it to a pretty high level and, um, and we're pretty proud of the work we've done. Yeah, that's really interesting to me because it, it doesn't matter which professional better we have um, on the program here or even ones that we have in interview. There's there's always something that they hang their hat on, right? Like we talked to Eddie Walls a couple of weeks ago and he's basically like, no one is going to outwork me on college football, right? My season starts you know, early spring, basically. I'm going to put in four hours a day and then later in the summer, I'm going to be putting in eight hours a day. And that's where he thinks his edge lies in the fact that he has strong work ethic and he's looking for things that he doesn't necessarily think other people are looking for. It sounds like if you were to quantify your edge, Spanky, you would say that the vast majority of it is probably access to information or being able to obtain information that um, isn't necessarily accessible to others. Would, Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and it's a lot of it is out there, but just you, you got to know where to look. You got to know which stone, stone you know, to, to turn over. Um, and, and, and it always it constantly changes. Um, you know, just looking at, you know, if you're looking at uh, uh, seeing which sports books, you know, it changes season to season. If you're just looking at uh, an odd screen, you know, sometimes some sports books one year might be indicators for, you know, NBA. And then the next year, they might not be indicators on what, what's the what's to happen the, the following year. Um, it all depends on what clientele they're writing and whatnot. So everything changes year to year. And, and we're able to, you know, to, to, you know, to be able to get ahead of that. Like, you know, just a, a, a quick example. Like, I just think that this is, it's, you know, I don't mind sharing this, but, you know, just if you just think like, Rob, you know, you build models and, and you build hockey models and most models out there for, you know, whatever sport it is, usually favor the same team. Usually it's never a time in which you're going to bet, you know, on, you know, team, you know, Toronto, let's just say one, one day, and then you're betting against them the following day. It doesn't happen that way. So, you know, what, what we have is we have software, we have algorithms that, you know, we're monitoring early in the season, the teams in which, you know, that, 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 is the market is moving for and then we're able to compile that information and all that to be able to say listen if there was going to be a side to this game it's going to be this side side a it won't be side b and now there could be there, there's certain teams that people that you know syndicates bet against always there are certain teams that syndicates bet with always there's certain teams that are always favored on the over there's certain teams that syndicates bet on the under and you know when you have let's just say two teams in which the last two games they played both totals went up in college basketball from 140 to 144, then when these two teams play again and both teams in the past had to move over, then, oh my God, most likely this total is going to go up. It's not going to go down because the bookmaker never adjusts uh, totally for, um, for, for that. So, uh, you know, little stuff like this um, that is able for us to be able to get an edge. And there's a lot of charting, a lot of work to be done in the background. It's not, you know, it's 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 not as easy as just looking at a number and, and then following the steam. Yeah, I, th- I think this like speaks to me personally being on, on the other side of the, the betting equation more as an originator, because you're right, for the most part, 
you know, anyone who's modeling games is going to tend to be using longer sample sizes. So if they're betting on the Tampa Bay Rays today, for example, it's very unlikely that they're going to bet against them tomorrow, like you said, but it's increasingly likely that they're probably going to be betting on them for the next six days, 10 days, whatever. Uh, maybe baseball is not the greatest example because you have different starting pitchers or whatever, but basketball would probably be one. Uh, and I think on on my side of things, where I laugh or, or you know, listening to you give that answer is um, on the originator side and working with other people who would execute uh, in terms of getting down for us in market, it's a constant struggle to try to mislead, I guess. Or um, if we're specifically high on a team, we would internally have a discussion and say, we can't really, we have to try to make it known that we're not high on this team or how can we get down without moving the screen or something like that. So it's funny because listening to your, conversation or, or your answer there kind of uh, confirms my belief that that's exactly what you're you're looking for spanky yeah and you know it's no surprise you know and, and and listen there's guys that try to fake the market because a lot of guys will say okay we'll phone you the market and we're really good at spotting those too because you know it, it, in essence a lot of sports betters are, are, are a lot of uh, guys they're greedy you know what i mean so they don't bet enough to be able to to be able to manipulate a market enough and we recognize this and we stick it right up their ass it's like you know what i mean i know i don't mean to sound nasty or whatever but it's just that's how it is like we, we you know my guy luke and chinese mike and, and my, my team we really we, we've gotten so good at just knowing how which way the market's moving and and you know in even interview i interviewed tiger my buddy tiger he always says it, it's it's i'd rather know which way the line was going to go than um than than you know know if i have a winning model or not because it's just it's one of those things in which you know, it's a consensus it's, it's a, of the crowd where if you know which way that line's going to go and you're able to beat that closing line, you're going to make money long term. Whereas an originator or, you know, sometimes you might be influencing the market and, you know, you might not realize that, you know, your edge is gone until you start losing because um, the market eventually is going to eat up everyone's edge. You have to stay on top. You have to be able to adapt and you have to, you know, continue to fine tune your model. And it's one of those things in which, I always said to myself, I'm like, man, that's so much hard work to be able to be good at one sport, let alone several sports. You know, why could I ever take that? Route? Number one, I don't think I have the intelligence to just be frank with you to be able to take that route. Mm -hmm. But why would I ever take that route and do that? I'm going to get swallowed up. Let me instead try to take this Billy Walters route to try to get a consensus of the best in the world and to try to under and take it even to another level where I get the injury information fast. I get all this stuff fast. So then this way, I'm able to always be top down and indirectly have the world's best handicappers work for me. Um, and, 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 you know, that's just my, my you know, my idea and, and it's been, been pretty good. Right. But you can understand the frustration on the other side of things, right? Because um, you, like, I think this is what makes you very polarizing. And, and this is why a lot of originators, if they probably didn't get to know you personally, would really dislike you because they would have spent a lot of time trying to prevent you from being able to, I don't want to say access the information, but they're, they're spending a lot of tr time trying to mislead you in a sense, whether that's, you know, figuring out uh, planting accounts or p potentially hitting games where they think that you would follow, uh, where that's not really something that they would like. And, and I think the criticism of your style, if, if, if an originator like myself was to say it up front, is that People would say that you're reliant on originators in some capacity to to lead you in the right direction, um, and I'm just curious what you would think of that statement or or how you would rebut that statement. 
Well, when you say reliant, you know, originators or better, sharp betters are part of the natural ecosystem, whether I'm not in this business, whether I'm in this business or not. So um, it, it's not like, you know, if I went away, this, you know, uh, these betters wouldn't exist. I just know, you know I'm able to take a step back know what the market already has, what kind of players are in the game, know the rules of the game, and, and, and then essentially have the rules work in my favor. Listen, what you said, you know, Billy Walters, I, I, you know, I, he told people that he hated me. He hated what I've done, you know, and then that guy, Spanky, he always said bad things about me. I've had other guys really up, upset with me. I've been called a bull in a china shop. I've been called a lot of mean things, but it's a free market. And, you know, the bottom line is, is you know, as, you know, as, as a sports better, you're trying to maybe hide that information. I'm like the Sherlock Holmes. I'm trying to find out that information. And if there's a constant struggle, then you know what? Maybe you could get, help me out. We could help each other out. I'll take a set of your numbers and maybe we can help make money together. I always say, you know, and I know it's, it might sound a little bit of tough guyish, but it's either you deal with me or you deal with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that. I mean, you. We're we're gonna go in circles here a little bit, obviously, because you can. Um, and again, this is nothing personal, Spanky, and and I agree with you. I think it's a free market. I think you can capitalize however you want. I think the struggle from the originator's point of view is that somebody else is essentially using their work and they're not being compensated for it. And I think that's where the struggle comes into play. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing uh, with your methodology. And, and obviously, I think like looking at the business that you've put together, people would kill to have, I don't remember exactly what you tweeted, but like six losing months over the course of a decade. Whereas on the originator side of things, it's much more painful. The ups and downs are much more painful. We talked about that with Rufus last week, Eddie, a couple weeks ago. So I think the source of frustration comes in. Uh, you know, I'm spending all this work uh, or all this time putting in work, coming up with numbers on games, and somebody's able to basically uh, piggyback off of that work. And I think there is a ethical line that I don't know that necessarily you're crossing. And I mean, there's there's no laws against this or whatever, but I, I think from the originator point of view, they would say that what you are doing is morally wrong or ethically wrong. Yeah, I would definitely not agree with that. You know, anybody that says, oh, Spanky, uh, like you're, you're doing this, you know, I, I, it's, you know, tough titty said the kitty, but the milk's still good. <laughs> uh, I'm not, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things in which, you know, I think, you know, for any, any bookmaker or whatever, you can never get into the whys of why somebody bets. I think that, um, you know, you know, we're all, you know, the bookmaker hangs the number to take a hit. So we're all there to just whatever that number is. Here's the menu. Here's my prices. Have at it. Um, Rob, you build a model and your model might have a discrepancy. Your number is going to be different from what the market is. That's why you're going to bet. Um, why though you never have to disclose why you're betting and neither do I. So mm -hmm. if I feel as if laying five and a half on a giants is my play, whether or not I saw another sports book moving it, whether or not I, you know, I had somebody call me up saying that, you know, the other team is not looking good, whether or not, you know, I just love the New York giants. It doesn't matter. There is no whys in this business. Everything comes down to what's why should be left in the alphabet. If you just, the 
number is hung to take a hit. Any bookmaker that screams and cries, oh, no, you're chasing steam. You shouldn't be doing that. Listen, buddy, you hang a number to take a hit. If you don't if you don't want to take a hit on that number, why is that number there to begin with? So these are not real bookmakers. I know I had this whole big thing when Matt Metcalf was on my podcast and we talked about it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, he thinks it's unbelievable that a bookmaker it's, it would complain about, you know, somebody chasing steam or anything like that or, or betting. There's no whys. The number is there for you to have at it. If I don't want you to bet that number, it wouldn't be there in the first place. That's bookmaking. Got it. I have, I have a question actually for Rob here. Uh, so I've been listening kind of quietly to this discussion. Rob, you mentioned so the ethical aspect of things. So I think, you know, it's a fair point. Um, you know, you could take it either way. But what I wanted to ask you, Rob, is actually like, how, how does this compare with almost any other industry? Because the way I see it is, you know, if you have a restaurant and, you know, you offer, you know, it's, it's a dollar beers on Tuesday. And then after a couple months, that promotion's working for you. And then the restaurant across the street says, okay, I'm going to offer dollar beers on Tuesday. Is that unethical or, or is this kind of a, a different analogy? Yeah, I think it's, I don't think that's apples to apples personally, right? Like this is capitalizing on um, information that whether, I mean, we can get into this a little bit more with Spanky here, but whether or not that information should be made accessible for one, I mean, here's the thing, here's the reality of it, right? We operate in a sports betting space where kind of, it's like the wild, wild west, right? Everything basically goes at this point. Whereas I think in other industries, things are a little bit more kosher. There's more regulations against what can and can't happen. So from that point of view, I mean, there's nothing that says Spanky or anyone else who takes a top-down approach can't do what they're doing. Um, and listen, I mean, the, the reality is people who complain about morals and ethics are going to get left in the dust in this industry, whether you like it or not. So that's just that's one thing that I'll throw out there. But I don't think that there's necessarily another example on planet Earth that we can compare the sports betting industry to. And I think it's an interesting conversation because the reality is... Um, like what I do, what, what Spank, if I could build up Spanky's business and do what he's doing, for sure I would do it. I mean, the reality is I think anyone who says no um, is probably lying to themselves or their, their mother Teresa if they're, if they're saying no. And, and the reality is um, it's a very profitable business that's very low risk at what he's doing at this point. The reality is it's just frustrating to a very large portion of the population who feels like they should be compensated for the work that they're doing or in in some sense um it's unfair in, in the sense that um their information can be capitalized on so i mean we can go around in circles on this and and circles off but i mean no pun intended or whatever but but you know spanky like i'm i'm curious uh, about what why you think like why has your business been this successful for so long i mean typically like you'd get a lot of copycats and potentially someone who would come in and say, oh, this person's and, and I don't want to dismiss like what you're doing and say it's very easy to replicate because I know that it's not. But why do you think that it hasn't been replicated yet? Is it about relationships that you've established? Is it you just think that people don't want to go down the sports betting path? What is it that you think separates yourself from the rest? Thanks. That's a great question. I, you know, I, I think connections and technology i think those are the two biggest things um 
you know, technology, you know, I always say I'm, I'm a computer scientist posing as a sports better. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at coding. I, I could hold my own and I know how to build a lot of automated things and, and design different algorithms to be able to try to, you know, take as much of the human element out as, as possible. So I think that's, that's a big, big edge. And I think, you know, you mentioned Eddie Walls. He's one of the few in the business that still does things by, you know, pen and paper. Um, I don't, you know, it, it, it's a dying breed. It's few and far in between. I think most people, you know, technology is king. And if, if you have technology work for you, it's great. Um, and, and the second thing is, is the connections. You know, look, Rob, you know, you and me, there was a time before we became friends. You kind of, like you said, your, your partner said I was the bane of his existence. You didn't know me, you didn't like me. But once I talk to you, once I meet you, um, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't want to say I come across as a nice guy, but really I am. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I, I, I you know, I go to church every week. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a family guy. I, you know, I, I have, I, I have four children. Um, uh, you know, all my, my guys that work for me, they'll tell you that I'm, 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 I have a pretty big heart and I'm, 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 I'm you know, I'm not an asshole, although it, I could seem like an asshole, maybe on social media, I could be a dick or I could be a little bit cocky and arrogant, but honestly, dude, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, there's a business side and there's a personal side. And once somebody personally gets to know, know me, you know, it just changes things. Um, you know, I've been down to Costa Rica, um, you know, so many times and I've gotten friendly with these bookmakers and a lot of these guys, and I've built a great network. And, you know, once I, I you know, I, I growing up in Jersey city, you know, you kind of have to learn to adapt, you, you know, Jersey city is, is, is the first or second most um, uh, diverse city in the United States. So you gotta, you know, you gotta deal with all people, deal with all different races, creeds, colors, religions, whatever. And then you're able to adapt and learn how to, you know, talk to people and communicate. And I think that's, a big 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 plus that um that i think i have that a lot of guys in this space have trouble doing you know a lot of people just like to stand behind a keyboard and and then and you know just think that they're going to be able to succeed without going out there and meeting people and i'm the complete opposite i feel as if meeting people is 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 the way to be able to stand out amongst others I think that's well said. I think you do network pretty well. Um, I, I did go from despising you to, to being your friend over the course of like uh, six months. So for sure. And, and I, I don't want to turn this into the friendship circle here or anything, but I will say that one thing I've always appreciated about you in general is that you keep it real. Like regardless of whether we agree or disagree on something, I think we're, we both share the same mentality that we're going to voice our opinion and not everyone is going to like it. And that's fine. Uh, but you've always kept it real and honest with me. And that's, I think, commendable. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that you've been able to build the business that you had and sustain it over over this length of time. Thank you. Okay. So what I want to do now is give a, a quick summary of uh, kind of for anybody who's not, you know, well-versed in the sports betting and the PPH game and things like that, a quick summary of you know, how Spanky is able to get down. And then Spanky, you let me know if there's any changes or any, any errors in this. So we've talked about on this podcast, you know, the, the regulated books, you know, the, the, as Spanky would refer to them, the dressmakers, people who would limit the winners. When we had Joey Kanish on, he talked about, you know, getting limited at Barstool, getting limited at all these sports books. So for a guy like Spanky to quote unquote, wet his beak, as he says, and get down the amount of money he needs, he's not going to be able to bet, you know, at the regulated sports books uh, for a long period of time. So how he's able to get down is be reliant on, you know, what he refers to as betting partners, which are people who, if you've been on the, the Twitter verse, or if you've been listening to Spanky's podcast, Be Better Betters, it's people who are able to bring him 
uh, different PPH accounts and partner up with him where he's able to bet on those accounts in exchange, you know, for a share of the profit of that account. So in, and the reason I'm giving this summary is because we do have a lot of questions in regards to this and a lot of things that people have asked us on, on Twitter, but I don't want to ask them cold and then half the audience doesn't really understand kind of, uh, you know, how that model works. So Spanky, would you say that's, you know, relatively accurate in terms of uh, a description of your, your betting partnerships? Perfect. Okay. So the first question is, uh, and this is something that was asked from Twitter is, uh, are you buying back? Um, on certain accounts and then playing other accounts, you know, the, the other side. So what I mean by that is, do you have cold accounts um, or, you know, does everybody who give you an account win? Because a lot of the criticism is, you know, you give spanky accounts, half the guys are going to win, but then the other half are going to lose because he's buying back on the other side and all in spanky makes some money, but half his partners win or maybe 40%, you know, lose 60% win. So let's, let's debunk that now. Cause I know we had this chat uh, when we prep for this podcast, but uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and answer that one. So if, if that were the case, then, you know, if half lost and half won, or let's just say 61 and 40 lost, I eventually would dwindle down to zero and I wouldn't have I've lost it lasted as long as I had. So obviously that doesn't make sense just mathematically. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, I started doing this and building up my bankroll. I used to, I middling is a, a part of my repertoire and uh, middling is, 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 is still, we'll still middle games till this day. Um, what we do is if betting partners give us accounts they see, you know, there's no such thing as a hot side and a cold side. There's a hot side only exists at the right number. So if let's just say I, a college basketball, I like to use an example. If I go over 142 on a college basketball game and that line goes all the way up to, let's just say 147, but closes 145. Um, if I had over 142, that's a hot side. But if I had under 147, that is also a hot side because both pieces beat the closing number. So there are often times a bookmaker we feel might over move to a game because a lot of these guys that are really chasing steam and getting second and third numbers on fourth numbers and fifth numbers, they just want to be on the quote unquote right side and they have they, they disregard the actual number they're betting, then we're going to be able to capitalize and be able to take advantage and work a middle into that. Um, so there, I definitely will be, will be betting both sides of the game as long as I can beat the closing number. Now, on accounts in which, let's just say I'm overextended and I don't want to go in heavy on a game, I, and I don't think I could beat the closing number by enough to overcome the bookmaker's VIG, then I have designated cold accounts that I have with direct bookmakers that they give to me saying, listen, we'll book your buyback work. We don't want any of the sharp stuff, but we'll book your buyback work. Um, no problem. You could bet into this account. So we have a lot of those um, um, places that we're able to do so. And are those partner accounts or direct accounts with kind of, I guess. Oh, no, a partner, because a partner account, why would he want a partner and, and have a piece of a buyback uh, that, that's not going to beat the closing line? Mm-hmm. Um, no, these are these are direct accounts with several bookmakers. Now, there are certain partners that might say, listen, you know, why don't you give me a mixed bag of tricks? I don't care if you buy back a little bit here, but in the long, because then this could provide a little bit of cover. Um, we, I want to be able to point at a piece every couple of, you know, a piece here and a piece there to show the bookmaker, you know, hey, look, you're telling me that, um, you know, we're always... Uh, getting the best of the number, but look, he, we just took plus eight here. The line closed plus seven and a half. What's that? Or maybe even close plus eight. Um, these are, you know, advanced techniques because for us, I think that the, the name of the game is longevity. If you're able to last long with a bookmaker, um, then 
that's the most important thing. You know, if you're just betting props and if you're just betting off the wall stuff, the account is going to get, it's going to get shut out soon. And you're not, you know, without accounts, it doesn't matter how good of a model it is. It doesn't good, matter how good of a top-down approach you have. If you can't bet, you can't win. It means nothing. So being able to bet for a long period of time and to be able to slowly extract instead of going for that juggler and squeezing the life out of that bookmaker, I think we we find it so that the slow extraction and slowly bleeding him to death is the best way to go. Um, and, and people might disagree. People might say, oh, no, they never last anyway. So we just go for the juggler. Hey, I've heard both sides of the equation. And I'm not to say one, but in our dealings, and we've had tens of thousands of accounts, uh, probably, you know, close, maybe close to 100,000 accounts over my lifetime. Um, we, we feel as if this is the, 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 the right way to go. Um, just curious. I mean, how, how do you deal with, and I'm sure this happens all the time because it's actually happened to me several times before, but you're dealing with partners all the time, people that provide accounts in general. Um, I know that they deal with Chinese Mike directly, um, who's on Twitter as well. We can promote his Twitter account later on if anyone's looking for partnerships. But the reality is people will reach out and say, hey, Mike, I have you know six ACE accounts here. Um, hand them over to you guys. And now they're waiting to see the action that goes into those accounts and they're betting it out uh, out elsewhere. I'm sure you're probably in tune with stuff that happens like that. And I'm just curious, would you ever consider dealing someone, let's say a shitty side, a minus EV play to kind of teach a lesson in one of those accounts? Absolutely. And, and, and you know, listen, <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit it. So, so they're either going to deal with them or you're going to deal with them. <laughs> <laughs> there are times in which, you know, we have, again, you know, I designed, we have a testing algorithm where, you know, we periodically will put an account through a test. Um, and this is an account that usually ha we've had for a long time because accounts that we've had for a long time is usually, you know, again, I, you know, we, we ultimately lose every account for the most part, but an account we've had for a long time, we're like, man, this account is pretty amazing. There must be something else to it. So we might put that account to a test and we might just bet, let's just say I, I got all the handicappers that give me their numbers and I think we're going to go out on one game and we're just going to bet this one account only on that one game. Now, if nothing happens or maybe that bookmaker might move or you know, if we if we notice that this account is not hitting the market, then nothing. All all is great. You know, the test won't happen for another few months probably. But if they if that test has failed, and if that one nickel bet or that one dime bet is going to wind up influencing the entire market and moving everybody, then unfortunately, you know, that guy is, is using my information just like Rob. You hate it when people use information, right? And you're not being credited for it. We also are the same way, but we found you know and. And I, we, you know, sometimes we'll even have a phone call. Mike will say, listen, when we bet this account, we're noticing that, you know, um, the, everybody's moving. So the guy will say, oh, really? Okay, I'll look into that. And then, you know, we'll give him another week. We'll put it through another test. But once we find out that it hasn't changed, and that's when, you know, we're going to bet that account the wrong way. And for just a nickel bet, we're going to be able to create a half a point of value for all of our other betting partners that are actually giving us their accounts that are not trying to just give us one account and then have have 20 accounts of their own trying to copy the work, which has become, you know, it's, it's it, this is more of a thing that happened in the last five years where everybody, you know, the greed sets in, everybody's trying to get, you know, why should I give Spanky all 20 accounts? Let me just give him one account. I'll have, I'll have a, a programmer from India um, build that shit and then be able to copy that work and then copy that work in all of my accounts. Um, you know, 
that shit don't fly with me. And you could try it, and you might be able to get that off. But again, you know, I, I can't have people ruin the market for me. Um, just like you know, again, it, it, we're trying to make sure that nobody, an originator, doesn't want me to ruin their market. I don't want these copies ruin the market. So you have to keep everybody in check. People try to fake lines Line for us too, or they put us on Queer Street. We're not perfect. I've been caught several times. Billy Walters, especially back in the day, I've been caught with my pants down. You know what I mean? I would lay three on a game, and and I, you know, I, I'd look, and, and the line is two and a half, and I'd feel like shit. It's happened. You know what I mean? And and, and it continues to happen. Obviously, they're few and far in between, but we're not perfect. So um, there's always ways to try to combat these these things, but you know you have to be able to do that and 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 know you know if there's one account that is actually blowing up the market, then that account you know unfortunately um, you know we have to use that to our advantage. I like it because it's a little bit spiteful, and I and I do like that just in general because you could easily well you could easily just cut ties with someone right and say like all right you know like. We're, we're seeing the numbers move, but like feeding them the wrong plays and re- like that, I kind of like the revenge aspect of it just in general. And it's something that I would do too, because I'm a spiteful person. So do appreciate the honesty there. Another one we get all the time is, 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 is people say that you're triggering line moves on a, on a partner account to move a line and help uh, another account get down at a, at a better price. No, well, it, it, if oh, I would never do that for just one account, you know, if, if, if I'm not gonna, you know, I would, I do that with my account. If there's one account, I'm not gonna mention a sports book where they book me directly mm-hmm. and I would bet my own account, bet the wrong side of my own account because let's just say they're giving me a nickel or a dime, but I'm able to get 15 dimes in all my betting partners' accounts. I would take the hit and eat that hundred dollars worth of VIG to be able to, uh, to to get down, you know, a free half point for fifteen thousand. So yeah, I, I, I'm not going to do that with a, with a, a a betting partner account unless we feel as if that betting partner account is being utilized in a wrong way. Um, you know, the bottom line is 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 uh, you know again uh, testimonials are everything and. and uh, you know, does every betting partner that gives me accounts win? No. The ones that usually don't win are the ones that give me one, two, three accounts. I don't think there's, I've ever had a betting partner that has given us 10 or more accounts that has lost in a season. Why is that? Because let's just say we're going out in a game and we're trying to lay two and a half. Um, if a betting partner gives us 10 accounts and there are 10 different accounts, more than likely he's going to get, there's going to be some threes, there's going to be some two and a half, but we're only laying two and a half. So he's able to get a piece of that equity where the betting partner that gives me only two Two accounts, he might those two accounts might be having only a three on the game. So he's not going to be able to get a piece of that. So the diversification aspect is not going to be there for him to get to be able to have that equity stretched out. So he's able to get a piece of everything. So of course, with less diversification, um, there's going to be more variance and there could be more of a, a bumpy road. Ultimately, we feel if they stick it out, they're going to win. But again, with one or two accounts, anything can happen, just like with one or two games, anything can happen. But when you start betting several, several games and you're getting a piece of everything and beating that closing line continuously, ultimately we feel as if we're going to come out ahead. So if betting partners are giving you, let's say Rob mentioned like, you're getting, you know, five ACE accounts or things like that. And you're adding that to your, your pile. Um, I think it's widely known that, you know, you, you focus on technology and you're using, you know, uh, a bot or some piece of technology to make sure that, you know, you're betting all of the accounts at the same time. But how are these accounts staying alive? If, if you know you're betting, let's say even just you know ten to twenty at the same time of the same skin. 
So let's just say somebody gets me an ACE package. They might get me 10 accounts. And the accounts, let's just say, are ACE 101 to ACE 110. And, and most likely, that's from the same bookmaker. So our software will never hit accounts, all accounts, 101 through 110. Matter of fact, we'll, if we're going to go out on one game, we're never just we're never going to hit more than one account in that package because that's when you're double dipping. That's when you're hurting the bookmaker and he's booking more than what he wants. Plus, that'll also connect both accounts. So we're trying not to do that. We're trying to make this look like 10 different people from 10 different locations betting 10 completely different things. Um, so that's another piece of technology that we have that's able to just kind of hide the work. Again, it's a cat and mouse game just like a blackjack card counter they go into a casino they might wear a funny nose and a you know one of those eyeglasses and shit you're trying to hide the word you're trying to be able to come in disguise and with all this stuff it's a cat and mouse game and it's part of the business that sucks you know what i mean i hate playing cat and mouse i'd rather deal with bookmakers that would just give me you know good limits and i wish i didn't have to rely on betty partners i wish i could just deal with bookmakers directly but that's not the case this is just part of it so we have to deal with that and it's just part of the game uh, Spanky, do you have any internal connections in the offshore world? Um, I mean, like, obviously that's, that's a loaded question. I'm not expecting you to give away names or anything like that, but the, there's obviously a, a large portion of people who say, oh, Spanky, you know, is a huge edge and he's been able to do what he does because of all the connections he's made in offshore. And I think like you're, you're posting your trips to Costa Rica on your Twitter account and things like that. So I don't think it's, it's private knowledge by any stretch of the imagination, but what, what is the extent, I guess, uh, of the, the relationships that you've built in, in the offshore space? Well, you know, I've been to Costa Rica 17 times and, um, you know, it's not to see the volcano. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, you know what I mean? It's, 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 you know, every bookmaker's office, I try to, uh, you know, every major bookmaker down there um, I'm friendly with. I'm part of an information network. Um, They give me information that, you know, and, and guys we share information. I give them information. I'm, you know, we're trading information with each other. So yes, is this something that any gambler can have? Is this an inside edge I have? Absolutely, it is. Um, can anybody get it? No. Is it was it freaking hard to get in, infiltrate a network like that, and to be able to have these people trust a gringo that's coming to Costa Rica um, from the outside? Of course, it was. You know what I mean? It took years and years to develop these relationships. This shit doesn't happen overnight. You know. And, and it's, 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 it, it was a lot more easier when there was a personal level where I'd have to bet on the phone and I would be talking to clerks every single day. And there was actually a voice, you know, there's a lot, it's a lot different when you're just betting on a website in front of a skin and there's no interaction at all. You know, I became friendly with a lot of clerks, with a lot of bookmakers, a lot of managers, and I've maintained that friendship over the years. And these guys are lifelong friends of mine and I'm not going to bullshit you and say, Oh no. I don't have inside information. Of course I do. You know what I mean? Why wouldn't I? I like I, the, the, I'll take any edge I can possibly get to be able to make sure that I get the best of the line, beat that closing line, and win. Um, so by all means, any edge you could actually think of, anything you could imagine, and I don't want to go into the details, mm-hmm. but whatever you could think or imagine that's possible, most likely I've done it. Okay. Well, speaking of your edges, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the podcast is because uh, we listen to Be Better Betters. We've we've heard a lot of your stories, and I think uh, a lot of people find those interesting. They even ha- they haven't heard them before, or haven't heard anything like it. So you talk about you know ha- having edges and things of that nature. I want to know 
what the biggest edge you ever had was that dried up. Something that um, you know was basically a cash cow for you, and this could date back to whenever you want to, and how hard you hit it for, and basically how much fun you guys were having hitting it at the time. Okay, this is a pretty easy question for me because there's one thing that just sticks out. So Olympic sports, also known as the Greek, um, the Greek sports book, um, uh, the guy that run, ran the joint, name is Spiro. He was a big, big time better, really big better. And he was a betting bookmaker and he was a very tough bookmaker, really good, you know, very, you know, uh, did very well for himself. And he, again, just did like Billy, he'd have these handicappers that he would give numbers to. And then he would book a lot of these numbers and and he would book, but he would also bet out a lot of this stuff. So what he used to do is he used to have connections with Don Best and he would um, hang up a different number on the Don Best screen than he would have on his website. So for example, back in the day that the NBA totals were minus or were uh, in the 180s, let's just say. So let's just say on a Don Best screen, the world was painted 180. He would also have a 180 on a Don Best screen, but on his website, he would have a 182 and a half. So that, and, 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 you know, because he, he didn't want to have the same number and he didn't want to show his real number because he's betting those one, he's going to be betting over 180 soon. So he would not want to reveal his accurate number on a Don Best screen. So I wrote a little mini program that essentially we called it Olympic fakes, where we would be able to look at the discrepancies between what he had on Don Best and what he had on his website. Essentially, I knew every single play that Spiro was going to bet just based on what he would hang on his website. Now, nobody would see these numbers on a website because, you know, they would, he would never publish them. He would, we called it holding up the screen back then. And he was a master of that. And this lasted for years and years and years. So just imagine, uh, you know, it's like having a crystal ball where not knowing the result of the game, that you know, but knowing which way the lines could have move and you just have to know exactly when he was going to go off on or whatever so it was one of the biggest biggest things and we've had it for so long and needless to say you know we did really well on something like that when did you personally let spiro know about that probably a year ago <laughs> long after he retired long after uh you know uh so I, I i never would tell him that and because i never even hinted at it um you know what i mean because there was one time you know we went because we used to always call back then you'd never go online everything was calling phone and shops because you'd get such a higher limit on the phone than you would on online so you would call and you'd see a don best screen and you'd see there was a 180 or whatever so i guess we asked for i guess we we're trying to bet the spread and the clerk you know read me in jamaican ah seven one eighty two and a half and we're like what, what was the total and she said 182 and a half and i'm over here saying 182 and a half i'll take under for the limit right and you know spiro was notorious if you say let me get under for the limit you know which is whatever five i'll take under for five thousand then when the clerk goes he's asking do you want more and i'm like <laughs> oh shit you know what i mean and this is when i was middling and stuff and two and a half points at that 180 level was strong i'm like no no, no that's enough because i wanted to hurry up and get off that phone get as much over 180 as i wanted to i'm like my god let me look at this and then i realized wait a minute this guy's holding up the screen this is his whole thing and, and and this is what he always did and that's when you know it just you, you run into these things by accident sometimes and um and then it just you know it it, it becomes such a great thing so i mean that's about as big an edge as, as you can get especially knowing one of the sharpest guys around and knowing exactly what their number is um i mean and that's just a like 
I'll, I'll get back to the ethics side of things, right? Like I completely understand why you would do that. And access to information is so important. I think there would be people who are listening to that and be like, well, that's some sort of IP theft in, in a way, but I mean, to each their own. And, uh, I think again, to get back to it, I think that's why you're such a, a polarizing individual spanky. Well, you know, it's public information that, that part was, you know, he hanging on his website. I just have to just look for a discrepancy. Um, I think anybody that cries IP theft or this thing, you know what I mean? You know, relax. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll go from the the one question, Rob, uh, one question actually for Spanky. Uh, so how were you how were you betting these plays out without alerting him? So obviously, if you were to just ruin the market every time, then he would have had to stop, change things up. Um, so you had to be quiet about it. How were you going about that? So there was you would bet off screen outs. You would be able yeah. to bet outs. You know, back then there wasn't as many copycats, but there were off screen outs that would move that that wouldn't move that wouldn't be on the Don Best screen or that wouldn't be on the screen. So you would bet these outs that nobody really knew about, and you would hope that they wouldn't leak the information. You know what I mean? He was when he did that within five ten minutes, he was going to go out on it. He just it was just the, the, it's greed, right? There's a greed aspect. Instead of right. him just you know hanging a one eighty on his website, he was just he did not want to write a bet on over one eighty which would have been nothing compared to the amount that he would get down. So he wanted to make sure his book was 182 and a half so that he'd only write under bets and he didn't want to write an over bet. And that little piece of greed is what, you know, is, is what I was able to capitalize on. Um, again, sports betters in general, we're all, you know, me included, everybody gets greedy. You want to get as much as possible at the best number possible. And sometimes a lot of times you're often, you know, penny wise dollar foolish. Yep, completely uh, understand that. So we we go from a good story, which is a a massive edge, um, to I mean, I guess the bad of sports betting is specifically what what you do and and dealing with so many accounts. Obviously, I, I mean, for people that don't know and don't deal with accounts, uh, stiffing is just a, the nature of the industry. I mean, there's going to be people that you win money in their accounts and they're just not going to pay you and they're going to keep the money and disappear. It happens all the time. I'm curious what your biggest stiff ever was. And also just in general, for those who are wrangling accounts, what advice you would give to, uh, for people to avoid stiffs in the future? Yeah, great questions. Um, biggest stiff was, uh, was actually a famous guy. is a, po- a poker player by the name of Burt Booten. Stiffing for 317000 which honestly, you know, given my history and given how long I've been in the business, is really not that much uh, for one guy. Um, I've had a lot bigger figures with several other people, um, but he was the one that just downright didn't pay me. Um, Burt Booten, um, you, you know, he wind up, I think he won a couple of World Series bracelets. I don't think he's active now. Last I heard, he went to prison for a little bit for, like, selling drugs or something, and I, you know, um, but uh, I, you know, he, I think he tried to call me um a few years ago and i said and i the first thing i asked him is did you win the lottery um you know i mean are you about to pay me because <laughs> otherwise there's nothing i need to talk to you about you know what i mean so um yeah he's he's the one that that, that sticks out in my, in my head the most um what can you do to avoid getting stiffed you know i think you got to do your due diligence you know you got to ask around um you can't be too desperate you know what i mean there's times you know i can't begin to tell you how many times um chinese mike has just told somebody 
thanks, but no thanks. We're going to take a pass. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't smell kosher. It just doesn't feel right. Um, we're able to take a pass. Um, and, and that's the hard part. A lot of guys that are really hanging one outs, do whatever they can. They just see the plus side of things and they're like, okay, if we get stiffed, we get stiffed. No, we don't like getting stiffed. We try to avoid that as much as possible. Um, you know, since, you know, we, we, we try to limit our stiffs to as little as possible. Sure. It's part of the game, but it's, it's something that, you know, you really gotta, gotta do your homework on and it's all about references. Um, you know, and, and I think another thing that if I was going to give advice to somebody is you gotta be likable. Um, you know, if somebody likes you, they're less inclined to do you wrong. Um, have a personal relationship, you know what I mean? Don't just make it business, have a personal relationship because I, I think that, you know, it's, it's like, number one, I've never stiffed anybody in my life. I just, you know, you know, you know and, and if I didn't have the money to pay somebody, I would work it off. I would do everything in my power to make sure I'd be able to pay them. Um, and I just don't think how somebody can, you know, can do something like that. It's just, it's not in me. I, you know, my mom, you know, treat, always taught me treat others the way you want to be treated. So, um, but for those that, 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 you know, the guys that, you know, the shot takers out there and stuff, they're all out there. You got to just be careful. And, um, and, uh, you know, uh, do your homework, ask around, don't be afraid to ask around if it's too good to be true. It probably is. I know that there was this one guy on Twitter that I forgot his name, cash out King or that was, Oh that? yeah. Cash out King. Yeah. Yeah. He was booking a bunch of people and guys sent him money and all this shit. And yeah. the, the, like people, I couldn't believe that these people would send this guy money. Like it's just unbelievable. Sometimes, you know, it's like you're, 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 you're bending over, you're, you're, you're opening up your ass cheeks and you're saying, you know, you're in a prison and you're saying, don't do anything. Like, you're going to get fucked, dude. Yeah. I mean, listen, we know that not not everyone in this space is savvy. And unfortunately, there it's an industry where it's very hard to tell um, who the real professionals are from just some, some clown basically out there. And um, for anyone that I mean, doesn't have experience. It's it's just very difficult to tell the difference. And unfortunately, you've seen the space. You see guys like Vegas Dave who are you know raking in a ton of money, betting every single MLB future and touting one as a winner every year. Like people just don't know any better, Spanky. Yeah, and, and even like Vegas Dave, you just mentioned his name. That guy has a Filipino. Um, he hires Filipino testimonials saying thank you, Vegas Dave. If I just made 50 million in Bitcoin and following your plays and, you know, this lady's sitting in a shack in the Philippines. You know, uh, I, I just I can't believe that he actually thinks that that's going to pan out. And that's actually, you know, even if it's cost him five bucks, or whatever, that that's money well spent. And that's not even I think it would actually hurt his image and hurt his credibility. Not that it could be complete, even it could be hurt even more than what it is. But how do people even think that that's real? I, I don't know, he's but not, honestly, he's less than five bucks for that. It has been. He's yeah. not paying five dollars. But 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 on it, that that guy, I don't I don't want to turn this into a Vegas Dave podcast. I'm sorry that I I did, but that guy is like an expert marketer. He really is like one of the best marketers on the planet. To be so bad at picking games and to be able to sell yourself that well. And again, Spanky, yes, like we see some of the videos and we know that this guy is an absolute clown, but there are so many people out there that just get drawn in. And I mean, snake oil salesman for sure, but uh, no, he fell like, off now. He he was po- yeah. he was doing okay because he was posting himself with like, you know, whether they're real 
handbags or nice suits and stuff like that <laughs> at these at like the Lakers, Lakers game games. and I, I know and not even Lakers game like he's at you know all, all these different events or like Super Bowl parties and stuff and if you're acting like that I mean it, listen it doesn't take that much money to you know rent some stuff and live that lavish lifestyle for a couple photos but at least that was that now with this yeah with these like marketing farms and stuff it's embarrassing at this point it's really bad like he's not no longer an expert marketer like that is such an amateur move, in my opinion. Well, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not following Vegas Dave's every single move, but the guy somehow got himself onto like a Showtime or show whatever action show that he was on, and it's just like, come on, like just another platform for him to to spew more garbage. But uh, Bert Booten, by the way, Spanky uh, did win two World Series of Poker bracelets, and according to his Wikipedia page, which we all know is 100% the source of the truth. He is now uh, can be found in Las Vegas playing a variety of poker games as well as mixed games right now, just in case you're looking for your money. Check out apparently. his celebrity net worth just to see what, what we can. Well, well, he won like 1.3 million in um, World Series of Poker winnings. In what year? But this is, I, I mean, his last bracelet's 2007. So yeah, I mean, lots has happened since then as uh, the world has been, has been changing. Um, Spanky, I want to talk a little bit about your social account because... Um, when you first came onto Twitter, you made a, a big splash with some of the, the videos that you posted at a variety of sports books, uh, getting kicked out, um, you know, for bookmakers that are unwilling to take a bet. Uh, you still do actively, um, shoot some videos every now and then and tell some stories and you got the, the, the hashtag be a bookmaker, not a dressmaker. Uh, why is it so important for you to, to try to push this movement forward? Because obviously like. A lot of people want their bets taken no matter what, but it seems to really, really bother you a lot more than most. And do you think you're making any headway by doing this stuff? Yeah, that's a pretty deep question. You know, so I, I went on the social media um, not to try to change the world. You know, I'd be bullshitting if I told you that. Um, obviously, it was trying to enhance my business. So that, that's, a, that's the number one. But if there was a side thing that I could do, a side uh, 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 thing, uh, side effect from me trying to grow my business is to be able to, to try to, you know, change the landscape of, of, of all these, you know, quote unquote bookmakers coming into our country and to Europe, from Europe, uh, you know, and, and, and not taking a bet. Um, you know, when I was coming up and, and you know, I, my son, uh, you know, I, I have two sons, two daughters, but my oldest son, he's 16. One day, you know, he, he showed interest in his business and I, and, you know, he said, Hey, you know, we we're talking, maybe one day dad, I could take over your business. And I said to myself, I'm like, there is no way in hell I can have my son in this landscape, take over my business because, you know, I was born in Jersey city. So I knew how to deal with, you know, the riffraffs and the underworld a little bit. My son is grows up in suburban New Jersey where, you know what I mean? He just cannot, you know, he can't handle, I wouldn't want him handling, he just, I, you know, it, to have to deal with, with the characters in this business is a different level. Like, I wish that he could just use the algorithms and, you know, he's studying computer science and stuff. I wish he could just build stuff and work behind a desk and not have to deal with so many of, of, of the people in the industry. But to succeed, you have to be able to deal with some of these people with the unregulated market. So I would, I want it to be so that there is a regulated market. So if somebody can can become a pretty good sports better that he actually can have a future in this. And the fact is, and I believe it's just so hard to get ahead. I think it's practically impossible to be able to be a pro sports better 
in 2021 without relying on unregulated offshore betting markets. It's impossible. Now, I would want to change that, not just for my son, but for others. How great would it be that there could be 10 bookmakers that all took a bet that would never kick you out? Sure, you're not asking for the world, but would take a dime or two on a game, something to be able to wet my beak, to be able to be happy and and, and, and do that. Um, and, and, you know, the circus of the world, um, there are few, they don't exist. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm making any headway. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, I got a lot of ears, a, a lot of eyes on it, I should say, and a, a lot of people listen. And I think, you know, I think the world is getting sharper. And I think that a lot of these sports books, they're kicking out uh, people a little bit too prematurely. I know there was one year last year, some guy bet the Yankees overnight on the game, the opening day of the season, he bet them overnight and they happen to move, you know, 70, 80 cents or whatever, but he just bet them because he was a Yankee fan. So I think he wound up laying $2. They wound up minus, closing minus 280. The sportsbook, DraftKings, whatever it can be, they wind up limiting the guy saying, oh, we don't want your work. And it's unbelievable. The, kid, the guy was just a Yankee fan and he just wanted, couldn't wait till the line came up and just bet it. So I think a lot of these guys prematurely, you know, um, are, are kicking people out and, and misclass, misclassifying sharp work for, for, for dummy work. And, um, and, 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 and I think that, or dummy work for sharp work, I should say. Um, so I think that there's a lot of that. And, and I, you know, I would hope that one day the, 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 the situation might change. And I think, you know, it just comes down to, you know, you wind up limiting the wrong person um, that, you know, let's just say the, 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 the regulator's son or something, or yep. you wind up limiting the wrong guy. Cause that's what it's going to take. It's not going to take somebody like me or you or John, or whatever. It's going to take limiting, you know, a really important names child or somebody, somebody that's, that's close to that saying, how could you limit my kid just betting? You know what I mean? You're telling me he's sharp. What kind of shit is that? Hopefully for something to change for that catalyst to be able to say, Hey, wait a minute, this isn't right. We're taxpayers here. You know, there should be a way for 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 a sports book to generate revenue without resorting to the extreme stance and the extreme action of kicking out its citizens. Um, there is a way to be able. It's not a mutually exclusive thing to maximize tax revenue and to be able to uh, to, to, to welcome all players. So I don't know if I'm making headway or not. It sure is hell fun doing it, and, and I'll continue to do it. I, I will say it is, I do love the content in general. I get a, a pretty good laugh out of uh, a lot of them. I, I Recently, the one that ended with, I can't remember which sports book it was, might've been DraftKings, I don't know, maybe FanDuel, but the, the one that you filmed where you ended with, you've been spanked by Spanky. I almost fell off my chair. I found that one hilarious. And also one of the funniest moments in my life would have been, Either two or three years ago, there was a, a conference in New Jersey, Sports Betting USA, something like that. And I was in the room when um, you asked Joe Asher, who is, uh, I guess, the former CEO of William Hill. He's no longer the CEO since the Caesars takeover. But um, you asked him a question about, about limiting players. And I'll never forget the look on his face as soon as he saw like it was you. Like the, They gave you the, the microphone and this guy looked like he saw a ghost. And he just like basically turned to the side and I, I laughed so hard. I think Captain Jack was in the room as well. And that was a great moment. I, I think from a pure entertainment standpoint, I hope this goes on forever. 
I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, that Joe Asher one, because I'm not going to mention any names, but believe me, uh, so many bookmakers patted me on the back and saying, good one, Spain, good job. You know what I mean? Because, you know, he, you know, he, he's kind of like the outsider. Nobody recognizes that guy. The guys that have been doing this for so many years, they don't recognize him as a legitimate bookmaker. And, um, and for him to actually deliberately lie and say, you know, we welcome winners and this is all played out where there's so many cases and there's so much evidence that, you know, even Dave Purdom did an article ESPN where there's former employees are saying that they have a weekly meeting where they have to kick out players and stuff for him to actually deny that is just absolutely pathetic own that shit. You know what I mean? You're not going to, you're not the first person to, to boot winners. You're not going to be the last own it. You know what I mean? If you want to put the dress on, put that shit on and walk around like that. Uh, the social account, obviously you have like this, this momentum towards, um, like I said, the, the, the be a bookmaker, not a, a dressmaker movement, but, um, a, a, you know, a lot of professional gamblers, they kind of like, will stick in the background. They don't really want people to know who they are. Um, you've you've had a, a public profile from things that have happened in the past, but you, you come up with a social brand years ago. And I'm just wondering what the exact motivations were at the time. Because like, some people say, oh, he's, you know, so Spanky's on Twitter now. He's trying to get accounts. Some would say, well, Spanky has quite a big ego and he wants others to know about all his accomplishments. I'm just curious what the actual motivations were for you joining. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I had my Twitter account built several, several, you know, almost 10 years ago, but I never started actively tweeting at all up until 2018, right when, you know, sport, the PAPSA thing got, got repe- repealed and, and all the sport, the sports books started coming into New Jersey. So me and Chinese Mike, we had a talk and it's like, listen, why don't we just, you know, in order to get it accounts, why don't we just tape, you know, you get, and, and getting kicked out uh, of these different sports books. It might take a day or so. And then, you know, we'll have a couple of videos. Nobody's ever done that before. Um, and then we wind up doing it. William Hill actually took a few days, which is kind of insulting, but um, it took like three or four <laughs> days to kick me out. So I have to keep going back, and I really didn't want to. You started you started on the the wrong side of the week when they didn't have their weekly meeting till the end of the exactly. Week. I think that's maybe that's what it. But they eventually kicked me out. And I caught it on video. You know, Luke was the one that was there that was taping that video for me. So I caught that on video, and then it just slowly started building. I started getting more videos and stuff. Um, ego is definitely not it because you know, listen, I was underground um, for eighteen years. Um, you know, since 99, 2000, before I ever got on. So if I ever cared about ego, if I ever cared about people wanting to know who I was, that never was the case. The only people that knew who I was, was guys that are on the inside, like Rob and his partner and, and other guys in the business that didn't, you know, they, you know, that only the insiders, the major bookmakers, the major players in the game. Um, I never wanted to be famous and I'm still not, I don't consider myself I'm a gambler. There's no such thing as famous, but I never wanted to be really known like that. Um, I I just did it for a business purpose. Um, so um, it's not about ego. Um, sure. Listen, do, do I, am I proud of my accomplishments? Absolutely. I'm not going to, you know, sometimes do I lack a little humility? Sure. Especially on social media. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to deny that, but, um, but in real life, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm a different person. You know what I mean? You know, in social media, you know, uh, Twitter and all these things, they're designed for you to essentially, it's like a resume type thing where you're trying to show your accomplishment, trying to sell yourself. Um, which, you know, but 
but in real life, it's not the same. You know, Facebook, you do that to your friends. Um, social media, you kind of do it to the world, to strangers. And Twitter, I should say, you do it to strangers. Um, so, yeah, sure, I, I, I'm a little bit turned up more than I usually am. But um, I try to stay grounded, man. I try to stay humble. Um, that's not me, you know what I mean? I, I, I never was that kind of guy that would, you know, tout my accomplishments and then say, you know, a great, I, you know, I always relied on, on bookmakers to do that, to be able to talk amongst each other or to be able to do, you know, I, I never sought out accolades like that. Um, I built my reputation from the ground up. I always did the right thing. I paid everybody on time, um, never stiffed a soul, um, you know, always, you know, I, I, there were several times in which, you know, in our business, it's unregulated. So there's a lot of times in which there's quarrels or there's different, you know, disagreements, you know, so I'm, I'm fortunate enough sometimes to be involved in mediations between two gamblers, because we don't have a, you know, we don't have a court, we don't have a police system where, you know, there's no court of law. So sometimes, you know, there's mediators and I'm, I'm a trusted, I've mediated several different discrepancies amongst people that I know, amongst people that I don't know because of my reputation. So I kind of feel, you know, I hang my hat on that and I hang my hat on you know my peers all know me and respect me and um if there's one thing you know that, that that's the most important thing getting respect and love from the public is you know I'm never into that sure it's nice but it's not a it's not something that that I, I that excites me you know I have a family that loves me and um I have the, the the guys that I deal with the inside the industry guys if I get their respect I'm very proud of that all right, Spanky. Uh, one thing we like to do with uh, the majority of our guests is get some some Twitter questions beforehand, and we like to pick out the unique ones because a lot of them there's some overlap to stuff you've talked about on other podcasts before. Uh, but there's a, a few interesting ones this week. Um, one this, this one made me laugh, so we're going to include it. But what precautions do you take to make sure you are above board with law enforcement? Yeah, so it's it's no surprise that I was pinched back in 2012. Um, you know, I was called a bookmaker, which I wasn't, you know, and we're not going to really get into that. One day I might write a book about it, but um, I think the important thing um, with respect. To- if you, if you write a book, you'll actually be a bookmaker. <laughs> I love it. What would you call, what if you called you just been spanked? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Believe it or not. You just mentioned that. I'm, it's a side note, just a tangent. We had a girl that used to work for us and she actually wanted to be a publisher and she worked with us and she was, listen, I found this awesome publishing gig. I got to leave. And I, I told Mike, I'm like, I can't believe she's leaving us to be a bookmaker. And, uh, uh, uh she's just making books. So, um, it, you know, that's, uh, just rang, rang a bell. Um, when you said that, uh, uh, so yeah, so I live life every day. Um, and it's a tough way to live, but I live life every day as if my phone call is being tapped. Um, my phone is being tapped. Everything I do, any online communication I do, I feel as if I'm being listened to by any government agency or whatever. If you live that way and if you live as if you're always being listened to, there's nothing to hide from. So that's something that I always do. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I, I always take that. There's, I never, you know, uh, want to ever be ambiguous. I'm always clarifying you know i'm the one believe it or not who coined the term betting partner um you know i've never really heard anybody saying the word betting partner because betting partner is is very different a lot of people used to call them agents 
Um, when you use the word agent, an agent could be something that's illegal where the agent, you're, you're actually earning the player's losses and you're an agent and you're on the bookmaker's side. So you never want to use the word agent because agent then could be used by law enforcement to, to you know, it's ambiguous and they, they could misclassify you as being a bookmaker. So I always say betting partner because betting partner is I'm, I'm partners with betters. We're trying to extract money from bookmakers' hands. That's what we do. We're not on the side of the bookmakers. We're on the completely opposite side of the counter. And obviously one side in the unregulated market is illegal and one side is legal. So I think that's the best advice to just live life uh, every day as if you're tapped. Got it. Yes. I mean, obviously it's not a, not a fun way to live, but I think that's, uh, you know, smart for anybody, I guess, in your position who, like you mentioned, you already been pinched that there's, if if you have nothing to hide, then you have nothing to hide and and it is what it is. Okay. So Spank, we want to get into um, a few other questions here. So this one, I think is almost a follow-up to you saying, you know, you, you wish that, you know, when you're talking about your, your son and handing a business there and wishing that, you know, there's 10 bookmakers that are going to take a, a nice pop and enough to earn a living. A lot of people have been asking about the exchange model, mainly one that comes to mind and one that people ask about is Betfair, you know, as a giant overseas currently, but, you know, not operational uh, in the United States or Canada, anywhere in North America. How does the exchange model potentially fix this or a better question actually does it fix this in any capacity so betfair you know it wasn't really for u.s sports it's more for international sports but you know the major exchanges that have taken you know in the last 20 years that i've seen were mansion mansion had an exchange in a while for a while which was absolutely incredible and matchbook had a, had a pretty decent exchange for several years um what's the result of both of those guys? They're both no longer really uh, viable. Um, There's not liquidity there or they're just not even in existence. Mansion now is mansion88.com, which is, you know, but so, so, you know, exchanges, everything is based on liquidity. It's pretty obvious. Like if you have to have seeders in the market and you have to have guys hanging up numbers. And I think that that's always, you know, most of the guys that have done that, um, you know, they might not have they might, the juice might not have been worth the squeeze or they might have been caught with their pants down too often so it's a tough gig you know i was asked by you know these exchanges coming up if i would want to seed and no because i would not want to deal with somebody like myself who just has that sniper rifle ready to fire at any time and i have to be ready you know playing defense i like playing offense so i'm just there waiting for you know if somebody has a number in exchange you know, it's just obvious. You just wait for them to just, you know, for a line to move and you just pick them off. Matchbook was notorious for being able to copy a pinnacle number on an exchange. So if you're about to go out in a game, you obviously would hit Matchbook before you would hit pinnacle. So, you know, I mean, these are very easy things that you could do to be able to over. So, so guys think that, you know, that's the one thing I think in, in this business, exchange, bookmakers, whatever, they think that if you just copy the Chris and Pinnacle number, that you can you could be okay with it. And I think that removes everything from the art of bookmaking because you deny yourself your chart. You're moving off someone else's chart. And when you're moving off someone else's chart, 
um, it's not bookmaking. You didn't, it's the art of bookmaking is lost. If you think you can automate the art of bookmaking, I believe that it's, it, it, it's, it's, you know, you want to have an auto line mover sure to protect yourself if you're booking bets online, but you always want to have a pilot there that is manning the plane. I always say like in today's world, a lot of these planes can fly themselves, but you always need that pilot sitting in the seat just in case or to be able to fix this or fix that. Um, and I think to be able to fully automate a sports book, like a lot of these offshore books are doing where they're just using a consensus line and where you know where they're not moving on action, where they're not booking to their chart, I think is 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 denying that art form, and I think it's really leaving money on the table, and and I think that you know listen, guys like us that are, that know that hey you're going to copy bookmaker X and bookmaker Y's number, no problem, you know what I mean? We know your algorithm, we know exactly, we figured it out, so we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that we manipulate that so that your algorithm gets triggered incorrectly and then we're able to capitalize. Um, I, 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 you know, again, it, it wouldn't be the way I would run a shop. Yeah. I think what Spanky means directly there is if an exchange has, let's say 50,000 in liquidity on one side and the pinnacle max for that is only three to 5,000, then it's an easy pop, pop pinnacle twice, and then clean up to 50K on the other side, which is obviously the downfall of not booking to your own chart and just copying somebody else's line. Um, and the reason I kind of explain that now is I, I want to get into the next question is, is there an exact amount of liquidity on a particular market to deem the price efficient or, or mostly efficient? So when we're talking like if, if pinnacle's only taken $250 or $500, then you know, obviously the line's not as efficient as, you know, something like the Euro Cup where they were confident in, in taking a low hold 500, um, 500 dimes or 200 dimes or even higher than that before post. So is there a magic number, Spanky, of, you know, how much how much does do the major books need to be taking before you say, okay, I'm not going to touch this anymore because it's settled up and shaped up? Yeah, it's hard, man. Is there a magic number? I, I, I you know. Uh, probably, um, but that might change depending on how mature the market is and how close you are to kickoff or tip off. Um, you know, everybody, so you can't, you gotta, you know, a pinnacle will open up their NFL limits for 5,000. Um, but then they could go to a hundred thousand. So you can't really say, you know, but for college basketball, um, they'll, they'll close their limits at 5,000, even less, maybe 3000. So I don't think there's a magic, a number when it comes to amount, it all depends on, you know, how close you are to tip off and, and, and how, you know, pinnacle, you guys are called circles off, you know, pinnacle is notorious for having the circle, uh, the, 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 not just the red circle, but they became notorious for having the, the blue circle. Um, and, and that blue circle was, uh, you know, when that blue circle's on boy, you know, they're very confident that that number is the number. So, um, you know, best believe if they're t a blue circle for anybody that doesn't know is when limits are enhanced or increased. Um, so they kind of like put a whole thing on the circles, you know, red circle, the limits are usually halved or quartered, um, a blue circle, the limits are doubled sometimes, you know, even more. So, um, you know, you got to look at the market and look how people are treating it. Um, but I, you know, I would pay attention to this. I would, you know, limits are a big thing. Limits are, are everything. Limit changes are, are very, you know, these are such important aspects that people I think don't look at enough. Um, just to go back, you know, just a lot of guys, 
you know, you, you look at numbers and stuff and you see, you know, you can look at odds boards and you see numbers moving, but those numbers mean nothing if you don't know what the limits are. Um, you know, you have to know what the bookmaker is taking. If somebody's taking $250, I don't give a shit what his number is. His number means nothing to me. Um, if he's taking 25,000, sure, I'm going to listen to that number. So, you, you know, numbers have to be paired with limits. And, um, and, and, and I think that's, that's such an important aspect. Like, you know, and I'm not afraid to say it, you know, we have on our software, we have alerts on limit changes, which nobody probably, you know, wow, you know, I never thought of that or I never looked at that. Limit changes are big. I want to know when somebody's major sports books increase their limits or decrease their limits. That's just as important as a line move because if I know that that limit, and this is on, why, why did we build this? There was a time in which Pinnacle used to take, used to do the same thing like Spear used to do. They would move a number and they would only take 10 grocery dollars on a game. Um, and they were playing games, you know what I mean? $10, $10 on this game, but they would move the line because again, they were a betting bookmaker at that time. So, you know, limits tell you so much. It actually completes the picture. Um, and I think that if you couple limits with line moves, um, that's when you're able to know how efficient uh, uh, and anticipating which way a line's going to move and how efficient the market really is. Yeah, I can speak to experience of that specific pain point of looking at something on the screen or getting an alert that something has come into range and then you go and bet it and it's they're taking less than what you actually pay for the Don Best subscription, uh, which is a very frustrating experience. Spanky, when's season three of Be Better Better is dropping? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to line up some interviews. I haven't taped an episode in about three months um, and it's actually been pretty liberating. It's it's great, man. I I, you know, I don't have to worry about it. I don't, you know, and I, I, I enjoy what I do, but, you know, I try to tape like three, four episodes in one day just to knock it out because, you know, to sit down and have the questions and, you know, engage. And, you know, I really am interested in every one of my guests and I'm pretty picky, you know, on who I want to bring on. Rob, you're definitely, you know, you, you uh, promised me that you'll come on this season. You've been putting me off for too long. But, um, you know, I, 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 don't, I, like, I, I'm pretty picky and a lot of guys, you know, would want to come on that. I just don't feel as if I, I, I don't really know them as much. I kind of want to have to know everybody that comes on or have a, some type of a relationship with them because I take pride in what I do. You know what I mean? I thought it was unique and, you know, I honestly think that you guys, what you guys are doing, um, you know, I, 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 I joked jokingly to some extent jokingly said that, you know, you're the second best podcast out there, but I really believe you guys are solely becoming one of the best out there, honestly, because you guys bring such a unique thing to this, to this, uh, to this podcasting and you guys have unique guests. And I think that, you know, both you guys um, are, are work unbelievable together. And this is unsolicited feedback that I'm giving you guys, you know, just if you guys never asked me to do anything like this. I'm just speaking from my heart. I thoroughly enjoy your podcasts and um, I think you guys are doing something great and it'd be something I'd love to put my name on. I'm, I'm proud of the work that you guys are doing. It shows that you put a lot of prep and um, you, you do uh, you do so much um, to bring such a, a level of content that is, 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 you know, exhilarating and it's beautiful and you love to listen to it and you kind of get deeper than most. And it's something that I always try to accomplish um, with my podcast. So kudos to you guys for doing such a great job for being such a young podcast for, for getting such uh, getting to such an unbelievable level so soon. 
I, uh, I, I really appreciate the, the feedback and, and, um, that's, I mean, that's, that's nice. I, I reciprocate everything you just said with, with be better betters. Uh, I know Johnny trashes it behind the scenes every now and then. And, uh, and personally, I'd, I'd, I'd love to not have to listen on one and a half times speed. Like if, if we can accelerate the speaking spanky, you get, you get the, the circles off stamp of approval, but, uh, honestly, no, it, it, there's a lot of great episodes and two seasons worth of content out there. So for anyone, um, and I will say this, I think Spanky, you're arguably the best interviewer out there uh, in the space. I, I really like how you just, you know, you're very direct. You give the guests a forum to speak and you kind of think on the fly and you're able to to ask questions on the fly as well. So um, certainly I can reciprocate the love with with your podcast as well. For you to say I'm the best interviewer because I believe you're the best interviewer. Um, okay, which is guys. Amazing. All right, let's go. <laughs> no, okay. no, really. I, I, you know, Johnny, I'm serious. I, that, that's a really nice compliment, Rob. I appreciate that. If I, if I can say, uh, yeah, anyone who, if you're a fan of this podcast and you enjoy the content here and you haven't already checked out, be better, betters, go do so. Um, my favorite episode, and and listen, the the reason that I feel like our our podcast has done has done well and has grown is because we have on a lot of unique guests, you know, whether it be abnormally distributed, Eddie Walls, we had Porter, we had and and to name a few. But those were kind of guys that did their first interview. Uh, but if you're looking for real unique content, one thing we don't have is, you know, those legendary stories. And on Be Better Betters, Spanky's got he's brought on guys who have been in this business like you know 30 40 years as as big time whether it be betters bookmakers uh my favorite episode personally is a guy by the name of chris bruno who spanky had on who told stories of like insane stuff you know being in prison and moving cells because he was able to hit a parlay card and call in span it was like just go listen to that that episode if anything to try it out and i think you'll you'll enjoy it so uh, yes, definitely check out Be Better Betters. Um, as Rob mentioned, one and a half speed typically works best. Maybe um, two times. I, 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 I would do two times speed, but sometimes no, the two guests, times is too much. The the guests, it's too it's too hard when Spanky talks so slow and some of the guests talk really fast. You're gonna have to constantly shuffle. So, but but uh, here's the thing: when Spanky is, I learned this now because I had this theory, but it's it's pretty much confirmed now. Spanky, when he is interviewed, so when you get interviewed, you you speak normal speed. When you're doing the interview, that's when you're you're too slow. I think that's what it is. That's great. That's constructive feedback. Constructive. Very feedback. constructive. Noted. I appreciate it, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just we're just giving you a hard time, man. But yes, check uh, out. So it's, it's good because maybe I ask questions. I don't want to ask the questions too fast, so maybe I purposely <laughs> slow myself down when I'm asking questions. You might be you're, right. You're going to be thinking about this for a long time now, and we it's we're really just joking around. I mean, I do listen <laughs> on one and a half times speed, but it's like it's not. It, I'm not losing any sleep over it. I think the podcast is perfectly fine. So. That you don't really have to change anything. Uh, and then I want to talk- last. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, go ahead. I wanted to bring up Bet Bash, obviously, because we're going to be getting together as a group in a few weeks. Here, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. It's like a, a social networking event for a bunch of uh, friends and uh, betters in in New Jersey. Uh, I'm curious, Spanky, just where you came up with the idea. Well, first off, what is Bet Bash? Yeah, yeah. We describe Bet Bash. Bet Bash is a social, you know, social networking event for sports betters or sports betting enthusiasts. You don't have to be a sports better. Um, you know, every time you know we, we went to Sloan 
Um, that's where, you know, I first met Rob. I first met you, Johnny. And, um, you know, we'd always hang out at the bar and we'd just drink. And those were the best times. You know, the panels at Sloan were, were never exciting to me or never something I really got anything out of. Um, same thing with any place with these panels. It just wasn't, you know, it was always the networking, the gathering, the, you know, talking to people and making new friends. And, you know, given the whole COVID thing and, and, and how we kind of missed out on for, for, you know, this year with that and, you know, the, the another uh, conference, SBC, that, you know, would have, um, I think it's SB, SBC Americas, they would have this thing that was always good. You know, I, I missed out on that and I wanted to just, you know, I wanted, it's like a void I kind of wanted to fill, um, that I wanted to just meet new people or meet, just say hi to existing friends like you guys and, you know, just have a drink and just have fun. Um, and, and sharing the same interests that we all love, just sports betting. Um, so, and I think that it would be cool for some people out there that would want to meet, you know, guys like Rob and Johnny and, you know, hear more about Betstamp and, and other guys in the business. There's so many big names, I believe, you know, guys like a Tiger or, or, or a Chris Bruno that you just mentioned, who's going to be there. You know, Chris Bruno, I swear to God, he could, he, he could run like a campfire and tell stories for three hours. And I swear to God, he'd still have more to say. And it would be insane. Like, you know what I mean? He, this, we barely scratch the surface. Um, so, um, you know, it, it's so cool, I think, to be able to, because these guys, I admire them. Like, I admire guys like Rob and you, Johnny. You guys are, 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 are you know, highly regarded. You're successful sports betters. And it's not easy to be that. And coming up in this business, I always turned to the forums and I, I, I sought after guys that I would look at that taught me the way that taught me, gave me inside tips or gave me, Hey, look at this, maybe buy data from this guy or go to this guy. Why don't you look at it this way? So these things helped me out. And, and I, you know, just, you know, I giving back to the community and be able to help out and, and make people better, betters, um, and, and just to share that and also have a good time doing it. You know what I mean? We don't want to hold a classroom type thing and make it super formal. We want to have a couple of drinks talk and you know what, maybe we could share some nuggets of information. I'm sure Rob, you're, you're very friendly. If you get a couple of scotches in you, you're like, you know, you, you, you know, how to, you know, you'll, uh, you'll chirp like a bird and stuff. So it'll be great. You know what I mean? I think it'll be fun. And, and, and that's kind of, my motivation for doing this. I mean, I'm very friendly without the scotches. At least I, I, I would hope that people would say that. But uh, the event is on Wednesday, August 25th. Uh, it's in Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, I think we got a couple hundred people coming. And I, I've had a lot of people reach out to me uh, directly through Twitter who are pretty excited about the event. I can say that I've certainly suffered um, through the the year, year and a half that we've been dealing with COVID. Uh, I've probably suffered um, a lot because you gave me COVID, Spanky, in all, in all likelihood at that cigar bar in Boston. Um, I mean, you were, you were sweating that night. You were probably patient zero. So you caused me a lot of harm, but, but uh, I'm really looking forward to this one. Like I, I'm, I'm quite excited about getting to see people again in, um, in this type of capacity. I think you give, should tell that. Give out the info. Where, okay. Where, where, where can people get their tickets first off? Tickets betbash.co. Um, and, you know, that's where all the information is there. Um, if you want to hear about the guests and stuff, the Twitter handle is at bet underscore bash. Um, it's in my profile too. I'm at Spanky at Twitter, but I want to get back to that cigar bar because you know what I mean? A lot of there's, you know, we'll never know exactly who gave who COVID. Um, but I'll never forget Rob, you know, I, you know, you had dinner that night and we were going to meet after dinner. And I remember you texting me saying, 
if you don't come to the cigar bar, you're dead to me. And I remember, <laughs> I, I remember, I'm like, holy shit, this guy really needs me to go to the cigar bar. So I went to the cigar bar, and because I went to that cigar bar, I was almost dead to not just you, but to everybody. So um, I want to thank you for uh, for taking me through that, brother. That was uh, quite the experience. I, like th- people have to remember, like it's not like we weren't taking COVID seriously, but this was. Uh, early March of 2020 and like COVID wasn't really a thing in North America yet. Like it was starting to pick up steam and we didn't really know what this was. So we have like 15 guys get in a, a tiny room uh, at the cigar bar. I remember Ed Fang was there. Rufus was there. There were some like Twitter uh, followers that I, I just, I won't give out their names just in case they want to be associated with. Johnny that. was but, there, wasn't he? Johnny was there. John- yes. Somehow uh, I, I didn't, I, I was fortunate enough to not pick up the uh, the virus there. Which is the weirdest thing ever, man. But that despite was despite being directly beside Spanky and at least getting you know three to five coughs in the face, it, it worked out. <laughs> but uh, no, like th- those are great times, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to something similar. Hopefully, in New Jersey, we probably will social distance a little bit more and not crowd together in a room. But I'm very uh, excited for that um, in general. But. Uh, we'll we'll end it off here, Spanky. I, re- I really appreciate your time. We've, we're over ninety minutes here, and um, it was great talking to you in general. Um, we should actually do this more often, even off air. But uh, we ask our closing our 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 guests the same closing question every time, and we've gotten answers all over the place. So very curious here what you have to say. But if you could go back five years and talk to a previous previous version of yourself, what piece of advice would you give to your old self? You know, uh, my, my answer is, you know, is, is pretty personal because, you know, in trying to build my business, I wasn't, you know, the best father. I didn't spend as much time with my kids as I wanted to. So if I were to tell myself, I'm like, you know what, let, you know, it, it's not all about the money. Um, and it's not all about the success. Family should always come first or should be right up there because you got to be able to kids grow up fast. I, you know, I'm blessed with four children. Um, so I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I was a deadbeat dad, but not by any means, but at the same time, you know, I, I was uh, weekends, I was always working. I was always just, you know, working as hard to try to build my business to try to be financially independent. And you know what I mean? There's a, there's a little bit of, uh, of the younger years of my kid's life that I, that I wish I was a lot there for. So if I were to go back, I would wish that I was just more part of, of being around a lot more than I was. Can't argue that. I think uh, life is short. I mean, lots of moments have to be cherished. And um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not someone who has kids personally, but I, it's completely understandable and respect you for um, kind of owning up to that and, and wishing that you could have changed it. So kudos to that. Thanks very much for your time, Spanky. Really appreciate it. Anyone can follow him on Twitter at Spanky. Uh, listen to his podcast, Be Better Betters, which should be uh, having some new episodes soon. Uh, maybe one with me, maybe. But now that I got you on on here, Spanky, I don't really have to fulfill my end of the bargain. This is <laughs> yes, <that>. you do. <laughs> but funny. appreciate all the time. Best of luck with everything you do. I know you don't need the luck, but um, hopefully all goes well for you. Hey, thanks so much for the time, guys. Until next time.